0: Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. But yes, one of the things that we hear uh, as pastors a lot, actually, is that we've got Christians, people who've actually been on a journey with God for a long time, actually saying, you know what, I don't know how to hear from God. And I don't know how to, to see what God's will is for my life. And, and much like the video uh, that, that, that we made, it was like you, you, you feel like you're supposed to be able to clearly understand what God is saying for your life. And you, you should. We, we don't think of Christianity as a bunch of practices that you do, but really it's a relationship with God. And if you cannot hear from God, then you've got a problem in your relationship. Anyone understand what I mean? If you've got a couple of people, uh, 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 if you've got a couple that are living together, but they don't know how to hear each other, you know you're going to have a bit of problem, yeah? I know that some husbands possibly would like to not be able to hear their wives every now and then. Uh, not me. I've got a, a perfect marriage and so it's, it's great. Uh, Beck's probably more than one that sometimes doesn't want to hear my nagging. I'm the nagger out of us, aren't I, Beck? Just constant reminders. <laughs> yeah. I'm the one that likes to be, like, early for everything. Beck kind of loses track of time. <laughs> this is how it works. So, so she probably, like, I feel like she probably doesn't hear me all the time anyway. So <laughs> Beck, we need to go in five minutes, two minutes, one minute. I'm out the door. You're still in the room. Still doing your makeup. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but, you know, we, we need to be able to hear Uh, from one another if you are to have a relationship and if you cannot hear from God, then you're going to have a problem. And so we have the privilege of, of of running a series, and we really consider it a privilege because uh, I love working with people in their natural relationships, but I really love working with people about their relationship with God and 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 strengthening that and and making that something that is secure and something that is is flourishing. And and part of that is hearing from God. And 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 over the next three weeks, we're not necessarily going to give you a a, a three-point or five-point or ten-point plan, and, and it guarantees you hearing from God. But really, we want to give you uh, some uh, practical things that that if you actually action into your life, we believe it will help you develop an uh, ability and an understanding of hearing from God. And so I get to kick off the series, which is fun, and I was actually really uh, uh, excited about this, and I was praying into it, and, and and I got a little bit like, man, I don't know, what to start off with i don't know how to talk about this and and the truth is hearing from god is not something that is um natural in the sense that it is not easy to explain it and so what i'm going to do today is to take a bit of a different uh tact and i'm going to give you a list of three things three things that hearing from god is not because sometimes it's easier to describe what something is by comparing it to something that it is not. And at the same time, these three things, I believe, are actually myths that some people hold about hearing from God. And I'm really hoping that we debunk those myths and it helps you have a better understanding of what hearing from God is actually like and, and how you can hear from God for yourself. So you ready for it? Oh, I want to do a lot more walking, so I'm going to move that back. I'm getting my step count out while I preach. Um, All right, ready? Number one, hearing from God is not magical. Hearing from God is not magical. I actually had a lot of trouble finding a good magic photo. So so that's the best I could find. It's like a bit of color coming out of a hat. But hearing from God is not mystical, it is not magical. And what do I mean by that is that I think some people have gotten into a space where they think that hearing from God is this mutant magic ability that wizards and and and, and what what are female wizards? And witches are able to do. I'm sorry, I didn't want to say that word, so I made you so You know, I almost feel like some people think that you're a pastor and and God's given you this special magic ability to hear from Him and so you're the one that hears from God and I'm the one that hears you. And that puts a lot of pressure on me to hear God right for you. And the truth is, quite often, I don't want to give you a nice word because I don't really like every person that is sitting in this room. And so sometimes when you say, Nate, give me a word, and I, I was like, you want a word from me, do you? It's kind of like I've got some people that have actually done nothing in their life, and then they say, "Hey, can you give me a reference for my job?" I was like, you want a reference from me? This person sits on his bum and does nothing the whole day. There's your re- no. Sorry, I just God. I don't know where that came from. Uh, you see? You see? I'm I'm not a wizard. I still deal with issues in my life. Uh, but we get into a space where we think that hearing from God is like this magical thing, and it's like. You have to kind of be a chosen, frozen person to be able to have that special ability. Maybe you have to be a monk living in a cave on the top of the mountain for three years before you can hear from God. And, 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 and yet, the Bible has never described hearing from God as a magical ability. In fact, the way that the Bible talks about hearing from God As much as I said, it's not natural and easy to understand it in natural ways, but the Bible makes it sound like hearing from God is this really innate ability. And it actually is, because the way that the Bible describes hearing from God is that it is not magical, but it is spiritual. Hearing from God is a spiritual act. And what do I mean by spiritual? Spiritual doesn't mean some kind of weird power that comes from magic. Because I think some people, when they hear uh, spiritual, they, they think of the exorcist and they think of weird holy water and, and weird weapons like Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Supernatural or something like that. Oh, that's all spiritual. It's magical. That is all crap. That's fiction. Spiritual is actually something that God is first and foremost. And, and the Bible tells us this. In John 4:24 it says, God is Spirit. God is spirit. And those who worship him, those who relate to him, those who see him relate to him, worship him in spirit and in truth. And so that's 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 part one. We need to understand that God is spirit, but the thing is that we are also spirit. We at the very least we have spirit. And how do I know this? In Romans 8, verse 16, it says, The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, God Himself bears witness with yes thank you one person awake looking at <laughs> it's like the holy spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. whose spirit? Our spirit yes our spirit not nate's spirit not your pastor's spirit every person has a spirit and god His Spirit bears witness to our spirit. When God speaks to us, He speaks to us through our spirit. We all have a spirit. And our spirit comes from the fact that God created us with body, which you can all see. This is a masterpiece, and you can all understand that this is a great body. And I also have a soul. I am speaking to you from an internal world, my mind, my emotions, all of that. That is my soul. That is an internal world. But we also have a spirit. When we were created, God did something really special. And you can read about this in Genesis. He He formed a man, and then He Breathe into the man, and the word for breath in the Bible is ruach. Actually, has been more at the end. So ruach, uh, God ruach into man, and the word for ruach is also translated as spirit. Is what we read about in the Old Testament. Every time you see spirit, is the word ruach. God created us to have life by giving us a spirit. We relate to Him out of that part of us through our spirit. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14 says it this way, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. When you hear from God, possibly the best way to explain it is that you drop into the spirit part of yourself to receive the message. It's kind of like when you have one of those old school radios and you're trying to tune in into a a certain frequency, you have to tune into the right spot where you drop into that sweet spot to receive uh, the transmission that is coming through. And it's the same way with us. We need to tune ourselves into the Spirit to be able to receive a message from God. So the first thing that we need to understand is that every person has an ability to hear from God because every person has a spirit. You do not exist if you do not have a spirit. You are simply an animal if you do not have a spirit. You are just simply uh, flowing through this time-space continuum, but you are not having an existence. The only existence you can have is because you have a spirit living a very natural existence to be sure, but we are actually spirit beings and the Bible teaches us that the life that God has intended for us is not lived out necessarily in the natural it was. It is, but it's more important to be living from the Spirit, to be guided by the Spirit. And that's why hearing from God is such an important practice that we need to develop in our lives because we have a Spirit inside of us that is able to tune in into the words of God and the will of God. And we need to become more aware of the Spirit rather than to be aware of what's going on in the natural. You following me so far? The thing about us is that we only really start to recognize the Spirit when we recognize that we have a Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches us that when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, a regenerative work begins inside of us. Sin has entered into the world. I know I'm going to some deep concepts, but just follow me. You will get it. It's, It's quite easy once you get it. When we sin, when we live in sin, our spirit is actually pushed down is actually disconnected with God. And that's what the Bible talks about uh, when it talks about uh, uh, for the wages of sin is death, is actually separation from God. And the thing is this, God is everywhere. He is God. He's not just in heaven. He's not just here when we set up and everything's like, oh, okay, I'm going to step into that space now. No, no, God is so big that it says that heaven is His throne and earth is His footstool. Right now, all we're experiencing is God's foot. God's foot is so big that it covers the whole earth. God is massive. He is everywhere. But it says that sin disconnects us from God. And what it talks about is that we have this spiritual disconnection uh, with what God is doing and what God is saying. At the moment we say, Jesus, I need you as my Lord and my Savior, that part of us comes alive. That part of us begins to just wake up. There's an awakening that's happening in our spirit. And that is so important. Later on in our experience, we're going to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, because if you do. Not have a regenerated spirit, you're not going to be able to hear him clearly. But our spirit comes alive, and we need to learn how to hear God by tuning in into our spirit, which leads to my second thing that hearing from God is not. Hearing from God, and this is so important, this is really important. Hearing from God is not emotional, it's not an emotion. See, we, we belong to uh, a movement that is known as a Pentecostal movement. And a part of this Pentecostal movement has been that for a season, uh, we became so caught up with experience. We became so caught up in how things feel. And put that together with today's world where everything is based on your feelings, it, it's actually a cocktail for disaster. And, and we need to learn... That hearing from God is not emotional, and why hearing from God is not emotional is because our emotions come from the soul, which is natural. Now, I'm not saying that our emotions are bad, our emotions are actually really good. Someone explained it this way to me emotions are what gives you the ability to appreciate experiences. Without your emotions, you don't know whether you're happy or not. Without your emotions, you don't know whether you should be excited about something or not. Without your emotions, you cannot enjoy life. And, and God has created your emotions, and emotions are important. Now, here's the thing. Emotions need to be put in the right space. And what the right space is for emotions is that we need to understand emotions are simply signposts. It is like lights on a dashboard. It tells us what is going on inside of us, but it does not mean that we are that thing. It's just simply pointing out something that is going on. For example, you have a car and you have a dashboard and you have lights that flicker on and off in all those little meters. Your car is not your dashboard. The dashboard is so important. Without a dashboard, you have no idea what's going on. But you are not a dashboard. You know, some people, they they go through life and say, I'm a happy person. Why? Because I'm happy. And and then it's kind of like next moment they're sad. It's like, are you still a happy person? They're so bound up by their emotions that they don't know how to live their life. They are so uh, based on their emotions that they don't understand that emotions are simply signposts and they are not necessarily what is going on. And this is something that we really need to understand. See, one of the things that I, I know is a really weird verse to base a lot of life on, but I do. And uh, Jeremiah, everyone loves Jeremiah 29, 11, But Jeremiah 17, verse 9 is a very powerful verse. And it says, the heart is deceitful above all things. I base my life on this. Heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately sick. Who can understand it? And the way that I can explain this verse in my life, and this is my experience, I was so caught up in needing certain things in my life, natural things that I really wanted. And a part of it is that I really wanted to be in a relationship. And the, way, the reason why I needed that relationship so much was because it, I thought that it would give me the value and the validation for my existence. I can articulate this now, but back then I couldn't. I was too desperately sick, um, and I simply just desperately wanted a girlfriend, but now I can look back and I can see that I thought that if someone else could say, I can spend the rest of my life with this person, with me, then it must mean that I'm not that bad. You know what I mean? It's gone really quiet. I thought it was a bit funny, but it's <laughs> I think I really hit a nerve. Everyone Everyone's like, it's like, oh yeah, that's me. It's like you will thank me later. (laughs) This is going to be the most freeing message of your life. You see, I I, I was so desperately sick that I would live out of those emotions and and that heart part of me that it caused me to do things that I look back on and I'm completely disgusted with how I behaved. Not that I ever gone into uh, a full-on like disgusting sin or something like that, but I can see how caught up I was. And, and in those moments when someone, when I went to my pastor and I was like, Pastor, I like so-and-so, and he would like, what's God saying? I would say, oh, well, it feels good, so God must be saying yes. And the truth is that many of us have boiled God's word and God's answers to us down to our emotions. If I feel good about it, then God must want it for me. If I feel bad about it, then God must not want that for me. And, and we base a lot of decisions. And and maybe some people are actually the complete opposite. They feel like God is this mean-spirited figure, this, this old person that sits in the clouds and judges our every movement. And so they're waiting for God to judge them and to feel bad about their life before they feel like God has spoken to them. And, and the thing is this, our emotions are simply signposts that are showing us what is truly going on. And if I had taken the time to wait on my emotions, to just die off a little bit, and to just see where it was pointing. I would have seen a great need in me for God. And that's how a lot of our emotions are. A lot of us feel like we hear God through our emotions, but our emotions are important, but something that is equally, and I would probably say, maybe even, in my opinion, a little bit more important when it comes to hearing from God is our mind. Romans 12 verse 2 says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, the voice of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We short-circuit our mind because we can understand that our mind is rational and probably a lot of us in it. You know what I mean? We, we think it's very natural. But emotions, we don't know our emotions. One moment you're feeling great, next moment you're feeling depressed and suicidal. And you're like, how is that possible? And we give weight to the thing that we can't explain. But then we push aside the things that we can actually understand. And I, 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 this, this was actually really interesting for me because a few months ago I was reading an article and it said this, the author said that he could accurately tell you what is 90% of God's will for your life. I was like, ooh, this is pretty cool. Blog post, clickbait, um, that said that that this person could understand 90% of the will of God for my life. And then so I I read the article and it said that the truth is 90% of God's will for your life is the same as 90% of God's will for someone else's life. And it's the same as 90% of God's will for everyone's life. And the way that that happens is that God has written something called the Bible. The Bible. We look for this magical. I'm not going to call it spiritual. I'm going to call it magical because I think that's what we think it is. We are looking for God's magical will for our life because we think that if we step into the magical will of God for us, everything's going to be smooth and everything's going to be comfortable and everything's going to be nice. And then we dress it up by saying, no, 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 I need to find God's will for my life because I don't want to get it wrong. But the truth is, we are taking the convenient route for us because reading the Bible takes effort, and reading the Bible takes time. And when God says, forgive your enemies, when God says, learn how to tithe, when God says, learn how to be kind, learn how to be gracious, learn how to put God first in everything. Like, I don't like that. I want to know God's individual will for my life. Now, this person was saying that if if we learn as Christians to live lives as though the Bible, and I forgot to bring my Bible I've got it as an electronic thing, which is okay, but, you know, if we learn how to live the 90% of our lives just trusting that we we, we are able to read the Word of God, and the Word of God's going to be able to tell us the answers for most of the questions that we have, then maybe things are going to be different. Maybe we're not going to be so caught up in different things and different emotions in our lives. You know, when I was preparing this morning, I, I just felt, God, God, what do you want me to, how do you want me to say this? And this is it. God is not your fear. And God is not your insecurity. God is not your fear and God is not your insecurity. I realize that the bulk of the things that I do, the choices that I make, are so often part of this fear insecurity that I have. The real reason why I wanted to uh, uh, find a, a, a wife when I was younger it was that it, there was this fear in me that I'll be left alone. It was this fear inside of me that, that God was not going to be able to provide, that his plan for me wasn't that great, that he wanted to be some kind of eunuch and I hated the thought of that. And only a few people are laughing because the majority of people have experienced that. But then when we go through our life, when we go through uh, difficult... And hear me out, these, these are difficult situations uh, when, when, when health issues rise up inside of us. When difficult financial situations come up, when difficult relational issues rise up, I find myself reacting to God out of my fear rather than out of who He truly is. And that's because sometimes even I boil God down to an emotion. But God's beyond my emotions. And sometimes the word of God is difficult to accept, not difficult to understand, it's just difficult to accept. And when it says he is good and that he's able to provide. And when it says he is able to do all things and that he's working out the best plan for my life and then I look at what's going on and and I'm drawn to my emotions because they are so strong and no one's telling me that my emotions are not actually what is really going on until now. I'm hoping that this is freeing for you because this is freeing for me. When I know that my emotions do not line up with the Word of God, I know it's not God. And I've seen pastors. I've heard of pastors, spiritual gurus, so to speak, living lives that are larger than my own and, and doing crazy things for the kingdom, but they have a moment where they fall and they go into sexual immorality. And I have heard of pastors that have said that they felt that God told them to have an affair. How does that happen? It's because they have bowled God down to an emotion. Sure, an emotion that is strong, an emotion that seems to be all-consuming, but that doesn't make it God. It makes it a very strong light that is blinking and is pointing to a deeper need, a spiritual need for God in my life, a need to trust that God is above my fears and above my insecurities. And if we learn that God is not my emotions, it's going to change a whole lot of stuff about how we hear God. I heard this stupid statistic that I hate, but I know it's probably so true. But the average Christian reads the Bible for two minutes a week. Two minutes. And I'm realistic enough to know that there are some people in this room that doesn't even live up to average. I'm not here to condemn. That's not my point. But if you want to know the will of God for your life, get into the Word. But then I also know people that read the Bible so much, they're filled with all this stuff, and and yet they're still guided to the emotional points that they want. We need to be able to ask the Spirit what the Word is saying and to discern it from the Spirit. Hearing from God is not emotional. We need to be able to think, and the only way that we can learn how to think It's to learn how God thinks, and that's through the written Word of God. All right. Third point has gone quiet in the room, but our hope is hitting home. The third thing is that hearing from God is not just for the spiritually mature. I'm going to lighten it up by telling this really funny story. I think it's funny anyway. So just laugh. If you don't think it's funny, just laugh. (laughs) I haven't started <laughs> um, but we, we we caught up with another uh, pastor, and this pastor had this. Actually, it's a bit sad because he had this young boy that came up to him, and and said, um, "You know, pastor, my mum doesn't think that I'm very spiritually mature." And sort of, pastor, my friend was asking, "Why would you say that? That's a pretty big statement to make." And and this boy was saying, "Oh, bec- it's only a teenager, probably like 15, maybe." Um, said, "Oh, because I don't wake up." And I don't greet the Holy Spirit as the first thing that I do. See, apparently this mum had this understanding that if you want to be spiritually mature, the first thing you do when you wake up, you sit up in bed, you grab your spouse's hand—if you have a spouse—and say, "Good morning, Holy Spirit." <laughs> um, and and so my friend actually ran a um, Bible study group, um, and he so he actually did a bit of a poll, a bit of a okay, how many people? Uh, what what do people do the first thing they wake up? And understand that this is probably a bit of a traditional church that this um, pastor is, is a part of. All of them, all of them said the first thing they do when they wake up is to say "Good morning, Holy Spirit." And my friend was disgusted because he probably he knew that some of them were lying. <laughs> and then he told me that um, uh, he told me that he interchanges a couple of phrases. He, he's got two go-to phrases when he wakes up. The first one is, it's morning. The second one is, oh, God. So it's like, it's morning, oh, God. Or sometimes he mixes it up and he says, oh, God, it's morning. (laughs) And then he asked me what Beck and I do when we first wake up, and I didn't tell him. I'm not telling you guys either. You can live in suspense. You know way too much about me. Um, But why I tell you this story is because I realize how many people think that this relationship with God that we have is predicated upon spiritual practices that make us think that we are mature. This boy, uh, uh, that's why I say it's actually supposed to be a sad story because this boy had this understanding that God's not gonna speak to him because he didn't say good morning to him. And that breaks my heart because I think that there are people in this room That think that they're not mature enough to hear from God and they're not mature enough to have this relationship with God. And I think it's really sad because the truth is, God desires a relationship with each and every one of us. Revelations 3, verse 20, says this beautifully. And this is Jesus speaking. This is really right at the end of the Bible, which tells me that this is how God wanted to end His word to us, His written word to us. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door i will come into him and eat with him and he with me and why i think this is so beautiful it's because jesus didn't say behold i stand at the door of your heart and i knock and you better get yourself ready because your house is filthy i know that storeroom that is full with crap that you need to get rid of i know that darkness that is inside of you and i'm standing here and i'm telling you get ready because i'm going to come in i got to You're going to be judged on all that stuff that is in your life. And I I don't see that Jesus in the Bible. The Jesus simply just says, I'm here. And we've created this understanding that when God does this, we freak out. Oh, my God. I've just been in the porn yesterday. I can't open the door. I, I lied to someone the other day. I had that selfish thought, oh, my gosh, let me just clean myself up first. And the truth is that God is like, let me in because you're not going to be able to do that by yourself. In fact, I've already dealt with the consequences of your sin. And right now what we are left with is a relationship that needs to be built because it's been separated because of your sin, which I've already dealt with. So let me in because your spiritual maturity is not dependent on the practices that you have, but it's dependent on whether you have a priority in your heart to open the freaking door. There are some people in this room, I don't know who, but I know I need to say this. God has been knocking at the door of your heart for the last 20 years. And you've been trying to clean up on the inside. And you're wondering why you don't hear from Him. It's because He's outside the door of your heart. Spiritual maturity starts when you open the door. Hearing from God starts with a heart that says, God, I need you and I'm inviting you into my heart. I know I've got stuff that I don't like about myself. I know that you probably don't like it too. But right now, I need to have that meal that you promised me. Do you see how beautiful it is? Jesus says, let me in so I can have a meal with you. He didn't say he wanted to have a powwow with you. He didn't say, so I can hold court inside of your heart. He says, I want to have a meal. You know what a meal says? It says, I want to get to know you and I want you to get to know me. There's some of us so bound up about hearing from God that we've left Jesus outside of our hearts. And if there's nothing else that you take away from this morning, understand that hearing from God is all about relationship. It takes time. I'm still learning how to hear from Vic. We've been married for three, close to four years now. And some people in this room for way longer. And I, I hear the longer you get married, the more you don't know about the person. And that's with a finite human being. We're in a relationship with an infinite God. We are living in his foot, if you will. And hearing from God is about us saying, God, I just want to get to know you more. And let's see where this goes. It's not about judgment. No, there is still that individual call and the things that God wants to explain to you about yourself individually, but why don't you put that aside? When was the last time you actually just sat down with God and allowed Him to love you and allowed Him to have that meal with you? And I know maybe some people in this room right now, you're thinking, how do I open this door? And that's a big question. But I think your door is your door. And I don't know your door. Maybe God will use me to let you know what your door is, but I don't naturally sitting here say, okay, your door is selfishness, your door is pride, your door is insecurity, your door is that thing or whatever. I don't know. How you open your door, I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's like you just drop into the spirit and you just go, God, I want to be open to you. I just want to be open to you. This morning I feel like there's a fear inside of people that hasn't allowed God's voice to cut through into your spirit. I really sense that there's this barrier towards God that many people have. And some of you are actually trying to be in control of your life first before allowing God to come in and have a look. that's going to be painful for you. It's going to be painful because that fear will grip you and it will hold you and it won't let you go. The only way to deal with that fear is to actually say to God, God, I, I just need you. If We can get the band up this morning. I really believe that God wants to do a great work in people this morning. A spiritual work, not a magical work. A spiritual work, not an emotional work. A deep work in every single person that says, God, I want to be open to you. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lift, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.